This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. If your roof starts to leak or your floors really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Happy holidays, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this very magical time of year. And we will give you today off from your home improvement projects because it is holiday season. But if you're thinking about tackling a job in the weeks and months ahead, now would be a great time to reach out to us with your questions because we'll help you get started on the right foot. We can help you save money. We can help you determine whether you can do it yourself. You should hire a pro. We can tell you what questions to ask that pro. We can really speed that project along to make sure it gets done right. But help yourself first by reaching out to us with those questions. You can do that two ways. Call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. That's 888-666-3974. Or post your questions to moneypit.com slash ask. Coming up on today's show, it is a time when we have a lot of stuff that accumulates in your house, and it might be a time when it's feeling a bit cluttered. Well, the key to an organized home is to proactively keep those messes from forming in the first place. We'll tell you how to do just that. And before your holiday guests arrive, it's a good time to make sure that your stairs are safe. Now, they're often the most dangerous part of the home, but they can be even more tricky without the right type of railing. I mean, you become a pro at your staircases. Like, you kind of know where everything's like off, on, all the usual suspects there. But somebody who's visiting doesn't. So we're going to tell you how you should make sure that your railings are safe. And as we head into the chilliest part of winter, we've got some ideas to give your fireplace a nice custom look with easy-to-build surrounds that can add some vintage charm. But first, we want to help you create your best home ever. If you can dream it, you can build it, and we can help. And you can help yourself right now by calling us at 1-888-MONEYPIT or posting your question to moneypit.com slash ask for the fastest possible response. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? All right, we've got Gail on the line with a heating question. You know, I have a real old house, like 1904, and I do have some chimneys in it, you know, with flues. And so I had thought I would use a chimney vent for the gas uh, line, but that I would probably have to put a liner in it, like a steel liner. And somebody said that there was another alternative, and that was to put a power vent, something across the ceiling of the basement and out a window and not have to use a chimney So, as a vent. So I wondered what, what your thoughts were on that. Well, listen, lining the chimney is actually not that big of a deal for uh, to convert it to use uh, as a gas vent because what you do is you drop a stainless steel liner from the top right down. It kind of looks it's like it looks like a stainless steel version of a dryer hose if that makes sense. It's, it's kind of like right. expands like that and it gets terminated at the top and then sections are added so that it goes all the way down the bottom and it comes right out the side of the chimney and you hook it up. So it's really not a big deal for uh, a furnace 
company or HVAC company to, to do that. I suspect that adding this power vent is probably a lot more work and more money. And, and basically what that is is a fan that has to run all the time and it would suck the gases off the furnace and then, you know, run them sort of horizontally against gravity because it's a fan and push them out the side of the house. Not only are you going to have a motor to run all that time, you're going to have a vent that goes across the ceiling of the basement and you're going to have a vent that comes out the side of the wall. Not the right way to do it. I would line the chimney. Um, with a stainless steel flue from the top to the bottom and and go with it from there. Okay, and I guess one of the questions, I do have two flues coming up on that one chimney. Right now I have a hot water, gas hot water heater, which just goes out without it, without a stainless lining. But I guess they could put a, a large enough lining to line both flues. Well, actually, you would probably bring the gas water heater flue and the boiler flue or furnace flue together and then run them up the stainless steel. Because honestly, you're really not supposed to be using one of those old flues just for a gas water heater. Because what happens is in the wintertime, they can get really cold and they can force condensation uh, inside of those hot warm gases that are going up and that can actually reverse the draft and and basically make that water heater vent back into the house until the chimney warms up so you're better off having that one flue line and then running them both up through that you basically bring them together and then you bring them into the chimney and on up okay all right thank you so much you're welcome gail thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit doug in oregon's on the line with a question about drywall what is going on at your money pit i had a flood in my home wiped out the whole inside, um, get to the point where the sheetrock goes on. They came in, put sheetrock in. Now I have a crack in one wall, in the ceiling, in the living room, and in the kitchen. And they're telling me I have structural problems. Who's telling you that, Doug? The contractor, uh, sheetrock company. But I had the house inspected to have it refinanced, and we do not have a... So the drywall company, in an effort to get out of having to fix this crack, has basically told you that you have uh, structural problems and therefore it's not their responsibility to fix it. Is that kind of where we're going with this? That's correct. Yeah, sounds like it. Listen, if you get structural problems, that would have been picked up probably before the drywall was added. And I don't buy it. It's more more likely that... Uh, you know the, the drywall seams have to be replaced. Now, the cracks that are forming there... You know, they probably need to be done in a different way. So, for example, if you get a drywall crack because you've got walls that are expanding and contracting, it's frequent that what you want to do is lightly sand that and then use a fiberglass tape on top of that cracked area, not the paper tape, because the paper tape is not very tolerant to that kind of movement, but the fiberglass tape is. It's sort of like a mesh tape where the spackle actually presses right through it. Are you seeing any other evidence of, of structural movement in your house except for these drywall cracks? Not at all. In fact, the house is in Lake Havasu City, Arizona, and the house was built on a slab. Uh, when they came in to uh, demolition house or whatever, they tilled up the uh, laminated floor in three bedrooms, and there was no cracks in the floors or anything. Yeah. It's unlikely that you've got a, a structural problem. I think this sounds much more like a workmanship issue, Doug, and I encourage you to go back and get those guys to make a service call and fix it up. Uh, they're going to cause you a lot more aggravation by chasing a possible structural issue because if I thought that was the case, I'd tell you to hire a professional home inspector or engineer, and then you're going to be into hundreds of dollars of inspection fees just because these guys are being a bit lazy about going back and fixing the crack. Well, they won't come back. I've even offered to pick them up, bring them to my house, take them back to a shop, 
pay for a cab to come out, pay for a cab, taking them back. Well, that's even more evidence that they don't know what they're talking about. Um, You know, I guess you've got, you've always got options to uh, pursue them in small claims court, but frankly, to repair those cracks, it probably wouldn't, it probably wouldn't be worth it. You might just want to go to a website like homeadvisor.com and find a pro that's been highly referred by folks in your area and maybe just get them to do the repair for you. Yeah, I'd just rather than going through an attorney or whatever, I'd probably money's ahead just to yep, go ahead probably. and probably. That's the sad truth of a small project like that. Well, it was a big project. I mean, they did walls, ceilings, everything. The house was actually gutted. Well, listen, I mean, all you can do is really pass on the information about the, the fact that these guys weren't very professional. Right. You know, by, by way of a review, uh, either online or, or on a site like HomeAdvisor, for example. Pass it on and pr- protect other folks from making the same mistake. Now, if I do take them to small claims court, I'm going to have some kind of an evidence or whatever I'm going to be needing. So I need to have somebody come in there and actually inspect it. Yeah, you probably are. And you may have to have them in, in testify for you. But the thing is, I wouldn't go through all that until maybe you make your... Well, I, I shouldn't be giving you legal advice, but... You know, I would take pictures of it. I would bring it to court, and uh, if the judge decides or the uh, that you need to have an expert, then you just ask for a con- ask for a continuance to get that done. But maybe just taking the pictures in, he, they may not even show up, and you get a judgment against them. Yes, that's true too. Well, I appreciate everything you've had to say. Yeah, right. Well, I hope that helps. Sorry that happened, to you, Doug. Good luck with the project, though, and it's not likely a structural issue. But uh, go ahead and get it repaired and keep an eye on it. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. You know, we love hearing from our listeners. And if you want to make our day, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You know, it really helps us know what we're doing right and how we can improve our show for you. So just go to moneypit.com slash review, moneypit.com slash review, and you might even win a copy of our book. Rebecca in Kansas is on the line with a flooring question. How can we help you? I have several questions. They're all related. I have a large mudroom uh a laundry room and kitchen and eating area that are all the exact same ceramic tile and grout. Okay. And, uh, of course, the ceramic is very unforgiving and slick, um, hard on little kids with sock feet. They fall, and uh, I'd like to change it out. My first question is, given it's a kitchen, laundry room, and, and that type of area, would we... What kind of material? Could I use some kind of a hardwood or engineered hardwood or vinyl 
And second off, I just can't imagine taking up all that ceramic. Could I possibly do a floating floor over the top of the current ceramic tile? Yeah, those are all great questions. So let's um, take them one at a time now. Uh, there are lots of options. All those options that you mentioned are viable, engineered hardwood, laminate, and, 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 and others like engineered vinyl plank. EVP flooring is another good um, idea. Um, whether or not you can put a second layer on, typically you can, but in the kitchen, if you put another layer on, you have to be concerned that you don't sort of block in your dishwasher. If you've got a built-in dishwasher and you put more flooring up against that front edge of it, you may not be able to get it out when it comes time to replace it. So you need to maybe pull the dishwasher and make sure that if you were to put uh, another layer of flooring in front of it, uh, that you account for that because you want the floor that the dishwasher sits on to be the same level as the finished floor. So you may need to sort of pad it up and make sure you still have enough room. So that is definitely a concern because you definitely do not want to block that in. But in terms of the products, yes, all of those are viable options. So I would just shop for what you like and take it from there. But do take a look at that EVP product. You'll find that at Lumber Liquidators and and other great retailers because I've noticed that it looks an awful lot like wood, but it's 100% waterproof. You know, if you were to use like engineered hardwood, that is designed for damp locations, but it's wood. And so it's going to wear like wood and perhaps not be as durable as some of the new high-tech vinyl products. Okay. And could those engineered vinyl products be... Uh, floating? Yeah, they're all designed to be floating floors. Yep. Okay. Okay. If a person goes ahead and puts that in, is it better to do the lengthways uh, with the longest running crossways or lengthways of your room? Are you better to go the length of the room with the... Yeah, we understand what you mean. Typically, Leslie, you would go uh, with the lengths parallel to the longest walls, correct? Correct. Depending on if there's like a hallway joining them, you always want it to run that longest length so that the planks don't seem short and weird. Um, And then that will determine, you know, where you need a threshold and different things for the adjoining rooms. Right, right. Okay. Very good. Oh, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Good luck with that project. Can't wait to see how it turns out. Send us some pictures. Well, most messy homes are something you deal with retroactively. That is, you kind of clean up once the clutter appears But the key to an organized home is to proactively keep those messes from forming in the first place. Right, Les? Yeah, you know, that is very true. I mean, there's an old saying, a place for everything and everything in its place. And that's a good saying that definitely holds up. I mean, one reason that things are piling up on your counters, the tables, the floor, is that they have no home. So you've got to assess what items are always out of place or underfoot and create or alter the storage that you have for it. Maybe make it visible, maybe make it easier to reach so that those odds and ends end up where they belong and not just sort of in a holding area until you bring it somewhere else. Next, you've got to play clutter cop. Dollar bins and freebies, they're fun, but are you really going to use that stuff? So you got to assess all unneeded items before you bring them through the front door. I have a girlfriend of mine, and every time her kids go to, like, an amusement park or someplace where they come home with, like, a giant stuffed animal, she's always like, you can't bring that inside. you got to put something else outside. <laughs> so she makes them kind of swap out and see what's the most important thing. I mean, truly, that's definitely what you got to do. Rule of thumb, something comes in, something's got to go out. And finally, beware, how do we call it? nostalgia, right? I mean, tossing little kids artwork is tough, but keeping all that stuff becomes more of a burden. I remember uh, when my kids were young, they went to like a, it was like a robot 
summer camp where they made robots, which of course were made out of these, you know, big cardboard boxes and they were massive by the time they were done. And I'm like, oh, I can't really keep this too much longer. So what I used to do with that and other artwork as I got older was I took pictures of it, right? So now we have a record of it, but we don't actually have all of that lovely artwork hanging around year in and year out. So think about that. Photos are a great way to document the you know, cherished toys, baby clothes, and the artwork, anything that's not a true family heirloom. All right, heading to New York where we've got Ross on the line. What's going on at your money pit? We bought the house. There had been prior leaking uh, in the cellar underneath a cellar window. Right. I, I fixed the problem with a new window and had it properly installed. But years later, there's still the the staining and the, the mildew stain that's on the on the concrete blocks below that window. Okay. I want to clean it and prep it to paint. The blocks are still in relatively good shape, um, but I just want to know what's the the best process and the best product to properly clean that wall and prep it for painting. So, first of all, Ross, the uh, the window that was leaking is this area still damp? Do you think that there's any moisture that's getting into that area under the window? Because it may not be coming from the window; it could be coming right through the wall. You know, we had an actual process done. Not only was were the windows. Re- replaced just as normal upgrade but we had a process um by a basement waterproofing company where they every two feet on the outside of the building they um bored down through the dirt all the way to the foundation and then they ejected a liquid bentonite um i'm not sure if you've heard of that process but the the liquid bentonite is uh uh, kind of like a like a kitty litter almost, but when when it gets injected near or into concrete block, it um, it gets into the block and then it uh, it expands like kitty litter would expand, and uh, that process completely dried up the basement. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, listen, I would just say to you that the reason most basements leak is because of a problem with exterior drainage. So make sure your gutters are clean, your downspouts are extended, and your soil slopes away from the house. Now, aside from that, removing these stains is not that big of a deal. Usually what you're seeing is efflorescence. That's the mineral salts that are left when uh, the water evaporates that gets in and then it dries out. So if it's not an active leak, you just have these stains. I think, frankly, all you got to do is wire brush those walls to get rid of that loose stuff. Usually it's a white grayish powder kind of a thing that's stuck. If it's on block, it's not mold, it's salts. And so once you get that clear, then you can apply a a concrete block paint to that surface and you should be good to go. The drainage has uh, been completely taken care of. There's there's gutters, there's downspouts, there's it slopes away from the house. Everything is check, check, check. Okay, good. The stains that are there are definitely a a darker blackish mildewy old stain that just needs to mm-hmm. um, that's left over from one that was you know, a, a moist, a consistent moisture problem there. Right. Yeah, but it's not going to be mold or mildew because you need a food source for that. And you're, you have a masonry surface there, so you don't have a food source. If it was drywall, I'd be more concerned. But as long as it's dry, then it's not active. I would just, like I say, brush it, wire brush it, just to make sure any loose stuff is off. And then you can paint right over that. You should be good. Okay, terrific. Thanks very much. You're welcome, Russ. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling the Money Pit. 
Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T, MONEYPIT. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. So Leslie, I know that you have had your Christmas decorations up since what? Like October? So what? How long? How know. long do they stay up? How long do they stay up after the holidays? I mean, you know that my dream is to keep them up to my birthday, which is February 28th, but <laughs> I don't ever do it, although I really do want to. Rule of thumb is I kind of take down like the extra decor minus the tree, like kind of right after New Year's, just because it starts to get a little right. cluttered for me at that point. Like I loved it, but now I'm like, it's over. Come on, guys. But yeah. <laughs> I keep the tree up through the epiphany, which is always January 6th. So it's like I we do little Christmas, then we keep it up and... I also kind of really time it with when the local sanitation department is taking away the tree. That also plays a role, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't want the tree to sit on the front of the house for weeks and weeks. And if you miss it by a day, then like the next time that recycling truck rolls around could be two weeks. So I kind of pay attention to that as well. Well, certainly a great season for decorating your home. But, you know, there's always some, only so much you can take. I usually leave mine up. Uh, probably through the first week in January, except one year I did leave it up through almost into February, but it was a really bad storm. And, you know, I, I do things uh, the hard way here. I have roof, I have lights that go across my roof two and a half stories tall, and I just don't want to go up on that roof with the ice and the snow. So we left them up an extra long time, and it was fun. All right, heading out to Tennessee. We've got Gwen on the line. What is going on at your money pit? My water heater um, had the element we thought had burned out. And so I had someone come and look at it, was going to replace the element, and he said, well, it's clogged up. 
and he um, couldn't get it unclogged, and he said, we're going to have to just pull this heater out and, and drain it, turn it on its side. And what came out of the water heater was a gelatinous whatever. It was... <laughs> Let's call it by its technical name, gunk. Yeah, gunk was a good word. <laughs> and but I mean, it was a lot of it, and it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. He couldn't get it out until he turned the water heater over on its side mm. and turned it around, and it it was liquid, and then it was just like this gel stuff. Yeah. And so, okay. um, anyway, I have a uh, water system, a Connecticut water system, okay, and. Um, and so my thinking is, okay, I'm on a well. I should have said that. If yeah. water is coming from my well through my water system, that's supposed to be filtering everything right. <laughs> before it comes into the house, you know, the Connecticut people don't know what it is. He first yeah. thought it was white slime, but they checked all of my um, fixtures, commodes, and everything and said, no, mm-hmm. it's not white slime. But he couldn't, he didn't know what it was, so he just hasn't gotten back to me. And well, I listen. wondered if you all had heard of that. No, but it sounds to me, before you even told me that you had run well water, I kind of knew what it was. I think it's hard water. And I think what you're seeing are minerals, mineral deposits that are settling to the bottom of the of the water heater. What kind of water heater is this? Is it electric or gas? It's electric. Okay. So a lot of that stuff just settles down the bottom. And, I, and what happens is sometimes in a gas water heater especially, it ends up making it very inefficient because the gas heat doesn't get through all that stuff as, as efficiently. How old is this water heater? Um, it was only about five years old. Okay. And actually what I did was the contractor said I would be cheaper, I would be saving more money if I just got a new water heater uh-huh. instead of him taking the time to try and get that stuff out of the one that yeah. I had. And so I bought yeah. another one. This was last year. Okay. And, um, and so... Even and he told me I need to drain it, you know, like right. every six months. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You do need to drain it, so you got to drain uh, at the bottom, and you got a little little valve there. So you hook up a, like a garden hose to it, and remember, it's going to be hot. So I would even maybe suggest turning the water heater off. You can turn off the breaker at your main panel, uh, maybe uh-huh. you know at night, and in the morning you can drain it, or whenever, or, or turn it off in the morning, and at night you can drain it, and then just open that valve up and let the water flow. And if you do it every six months, it's going to wash away all any minerals that are that are stuck down there. It would be worth uh, having a look also at the water treatment system to make sure the water softener portion of that is working correctly, because I think with all those mineral deposits, probably more hard water is getting through than, than should. But if you flush it every six months like that, I don't think this is going to happen again. I think you were just looking at five years of buildup. But that, with it being hard water, that would make it that jelly-type texture? Yeah, because it's, it's minerals, and it's mixing with water and it's going to sort of stick together so yeah it can get gunky like that okay good well i I hope that's all it is it's but you know you would think that the people who um sell me the water system would would think of the hard water well you would hope but you know here's here's something that you can do also you can why don't you just take a water sample and send it off to a testing lab you can find one online or find one in the area don't use the water company to test don't use the Connecticut people to test it get an independent test and this way you'll know you know, if that system is working, really working properly and filtering out all the contaminants. Good idea. I will do that. Here, I enjoy your show. You got it, Gwen. Have a great day. 
Well, building new stairs or railings or updating the ones that you have can be actually a very important home improvement project, especially since we're in the middle of the holiday season when so many visitors are coming and going, right? Yeah, I mean, that is true. You have to think about it because stairs and railings, they're not only a decorative part of the home, but they really do have an important job in keeping both your occupants and the visitors safe. So for an existing home, stairs do take a lot of wear and tear, and those treads can become loose, the railings can get wobbly, spindles can fall out, so you have to pay attention to what's going on. Yeah, and after all of those years of use, a lot of times wood stairwells begin to come loose themselves, the railing can feel wobbly, or just seem slightly loose when force is placed on it. And additionally, you may find that you have like one squeaky wooden stair that announces to the world that you are walking on it. I mean, these are not things that you have to live with. Yeah, so step one here is a safety check. You want to look at the stairs that have at least three steps. They should have a handrail mounted securely to the wall. Now, for open staircases, spindles should be installed no wider than four inches on the center. You've got to prevent those small kids from squeezing in between them. I have seen kids squeeze into, like, the weirdest, tiniest of places. So, you know, do yourself a favor here. Four inches should do the trick. Also, look carefully where steps are uneven, particularly in older homes, because you definitely, as the homeowner and the person who uses those steps all the time, have developed this, like, second-nature instinct when you're navigating them. But your guests, this could be the first time they're doing it. So make sure they are aware if you're not fixing it at that exact moment, but fix it so that it's not an issue for you and anybody in the house. Yeah, and speaking of fixing things, here's the most common things that you might need to repair. A weak or a broken railing, you know, when the, when they're first installed, railings are sturdy, even though they may have some give to them. But after a lot of years of use, they can become less sturdy through basic wear and tear and strain on the wood. So a carpenter can evaluate why your railings are weak and make the appropriate repair. Uh, squeaking steps, not a structural problem, kind of an annoying thing. But what you want to do is find where it's loose and you want to install a trim screw, which is kind of like a drywall screw but with a really small head, through the tread and into the risers, which is the part of the stair that holds it up from below. That should uh, secure the loose step and avoid the squeak. And if you've got broken treads, make sure that you reinforce those. You can repair them. You can replace them. But if the tread breaks, that's a bad thing because you could step through it. Yeah. Now, when it comes to thinking about what the cost of a stair and railing installation and repair will be, you always have to think about the complexity of the layout. A simple straight staircase is going to be less expensive to update than, say, a spiral stair. But for the safety of you, your family, and your guests, it's really an important part of your home to pay attention to. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now we've got Mark in Kansas on the line who's got a question about a countertop. What's going on? Well, we have a uh, Formica countertop. It's darker. 
and my wife is wanting something lighter, and I'm wondering, do I have to replace it, or can't I put something over it? No, actually, there's a product that you can replace that, or you can actually cover that top with. Uh, it's made by a company called Dice Coatings, D-A-I-C-H. I actually just used the product myself in the last few months, and it's called Lux Rock, L-U-X-R-O-C-K. They also have another version called Mineral Select. And essentially, these are products where you put on a primer, and then once the primer dries, you put on a coat of the Lux Rock, you let that dry, and then you very carefully sand it. And what you see come through are like all the flakes of different colors of like gold, for example, that you would see in a granite piece. And once you reveal that and you're sort of happy with that uh, appearance, then you put on like an epoxy top coat, and that sort of locks it all in. So in my case, I had a really old kitchen, and I had the option to go over the old top, which I would have been happy to do, but I was... I was reconfiguring cabinets, so I decided I would build a countertop myself from scratch using plywood. And when people said, you're going to put a plywood countertop in? Well, i got to tell you, I had friends that saw this Luxrock product after it was complete, and they were kind of like, what do you mean that's not, that's not granite? They're like, like looking at it. They can't see anything that tells them it's not granite. I finally had to turn a piece of the top upside down and prove it wasn't granite. That's how darn good it looks. So check out DeichCoatings.com, D-A-I-C-H Coatings.com. You'll find those products there. They're really good at this, and I was very happy that I made that choice. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, if you love the look of vintage charm, you know, think of things like ornate moldings or details in the flooring or something that's definitely typical of a certain building period of time, you know that it definitely adds value to your home. But if you're living in a fairly new home, you probably don't have a lot of those special touches that definitely make you feel like that home has been around a while. So one way to capture that vintage feel without giving up modern convenience, and this is a great trick, you can add a salvaged antique fireplace mantle the mantle, the whole hearth. You can really find some beautiful stuff at these salvage yards that are just gorgeous. They can be carved wood. They can be stone. And you don't even need to have a fireplace. You can just put them in about any room. And then that decorative fireplace quickly becomes that focal point. And I mean, truly, if you have a fireplace, this is also a great way to add that historical sort of detail that gives it that charm. And, you know, really not a tremendous amount of work. Now, when older homes are renovated or torn down, it's becoming more popular to save architectural pieces and actually to sell them to salvage dealers. So you can find some pretty good-looking stuff. We're talking about mantles, clawfoot bathtubs, stained glass windows, and even antique doorknobs. And if you don't have a salvage dealer close to you, you can even buy these things online. Yeah, you can check for individual pieces that have been redone on sites like Etsy or even Craigslist. And even though that mantle won't actually be a working fireplace, it will definitely add that warmth to your home. And then, of course, you can add things like a beautiful sort of brass antique fireplace screen or something that gives it that charm as well. Even fireplace tools or a vintage basket right near it. Lots of ways once you install this mantle that you can give it more charm. Charles in Colorado reached out to Team Money Pit and is asking, how hard is it to replace faucets on our bathroom and kitchen sinks? We have zero DIY skills. Is this something we could, or I should say should, do ourselves? Well, I, I give you credit for, for taking proper assessment of your of your skills and where you're at with that. You know, look, first of all, replacing faucets today is not that difficult, but... 
The problem is usually that you can't turn the water off that feeds them because those valves in the sink that turn the hot and cold water on, a lot of times they're stiff. They don't turn off all the way, so you really can't get much through into the project before you're dealing with a drip in your face or something of that nature. But if you can turn those valves completely off and the faucet's open and you're not getting any more water out, then I think it's probably safe to proceed. The fittings are pretty standard, so it's unlikely you're going to have something that doesn't match, but it is a tough place to work. Believe me, for a 200-pound guy trying to fit into a tiny kitchen cabinet is always a challenge for me. So, you know, uh, it can be a very difficult thing because you have to get certain tools up underneath the sink sometimes. So, you know, it's inconvenient, I'll say. And you got to be a bit of a contortionist. But if you can tolerate all that, I think you could probably do the replacement, but maybe keep the plumber on speed dial just in case. <laughs> all right. John from Pennsylvania wrote in, is there a way to keep snow from forming at the edge of my roof and collapsing the gutters? Yeah. Proper insulation and ventilation, John. So what you're describing here is uh, the early stages of an ice dam, which is not a good thing. And the reason ice dams happen is because when that snow starts to melt from the top of your roof, you're above, you're above the heated area of the house, it, the water starts to run down, and when it hits the section of roof that's at the overhang, it freezes. And when it freezes, it builds up and builds up and builds up, and that can cause leaks into the house and can also cause those gutters to clog up and collapse. So what you need to do is improve your insulation and make sure you're not blocking the ventilation at the soffits so that you keep the heat inside the house and not up into the attic. All right, John, I hope that helps you out. You got to keep those gutters free flowing. You got to keep the snow from forming at the edge of the roof. Lots of things you got to do. Well, if you've been decking those halls with holiday cheer and if you're getting ready to take them down soon, you're no doubt about to get up or down a ladder, maybe for the first time since last year. Well, with 20,000 injuries every year from ladders, Leslie's got some great tips to help keep you safe in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, you've got to check that ladder out before you even take one step onto it. Worn out or improperly used ladders, that's the other thing. It could be in great condition, but you could just be doing it completely wrong, folks. And that that can cause thousands of serious injuries every single year. So to stay safe, you want to make sure that your ladder has slip-resistant rungs on the feet. You want to inspect it for cracked uprights, any split rungs or loose rivets. And when you're using an extension ladder, you need to make sure that the bottom is pulled away from the wall by at least one quarter of the height that you need to work at. And finally, never stand on the top rung of any type of ladder. And especially when it says like, hey, this is not a step, they mean it on those ladders. (laughs) Do not stand up there. I can't believe how many people I see are like, oh, yeah, this is a perfect platform for me. It's not. Just be careful, guys. All right. Stay safe this holiday season. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Coming up next time on the Money Pit, you're probably inside more often than not this time of year. So here's a question. How healthy is the air you're breathing? Well, maybe not as healthy as you think. We're going to teach you how to cut down on dust, allergens, dirt, and even germs with a whole house air cleaner on the next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.
Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.